Um, Galatians chapter 6 is really about Christian conduct, how we should conduct ourselves with other people, including people within the body of Christ. It's all about Christian conduct. Now, we're in chapter 6, but in chapter 5, what we see there is the Apostle Paul talking about the struggle between the flesh and the spirit, and he gives us uh, guidance on how we're to overcome the flesh, and that's by following the leading of the Holy Spirit, and really uh, focusing on the work of the cross. If there are some things alive in you that need to die going to the cross, that those sin natures or that sin nature within us would completely die. And that's basically where we get started. So he's talking about the flesh and the spirit. Now we go into chapter 6, and he's talking about what we are to do, especially with one who has fallen into sin. That's how he starts off. Let's, let's pray before we go into uh, the verses. Father, I thank you for this day. I pray that you will, by your Holy Spirit, speak to all of us today. That by your Holy Spirit, you would change our hearts today. That we might understand and apply uh, Christian conduct as God instructs us uh, to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So beginning with the first verse, it reads, Brethren... If a man is overtaken in any trespass, and the word trespass really is referring to sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself least. You should also be tempted. Um, considering yourself least, you also be tempted. Uh, David Gezek writes about this particular verse. He says, uh, the overtaken one or overtaken ones need to be restored. They are not to be ignored. They are not to be excused. They are not to be destroyed. The goal is always restoration. So restore means to bring back to original condition. You know, when I was in the uh, Air Force and I was a crew chief, uh, we had what was called a restoration program. In other words, we were working on airplanes that were built uh, in the same year that I was born, the airplane was basically the same age as myself. When I was in the Air Force, when I was in my 30s, the, those airplanes were in their 30s. Today, they're still flying them, and they're, they're in their 50s, in their 60s now, and they're still flying those airplanes. But we had a restoration program, and that program was to restore that airplane to how it was designed to function and how it was designed to look and to make it new, to make it look like new. So the Apostle Paul is talking about restoring a person's heart, how they were created to restore them to how they were supposed to be created by God and to maintain that relationship in which we were all created to be. So it's really, that is our goal in mind, is to restoring that individual to the original purpose of God, and that's to have a relationship with us, to be with us, to love us, and us to love him. And Paul, it's interesting to note, Paul says, we are to restore in gentleness. Our intention when a brother or sister falls is to restore them. We are to do this in a spirit of gentleness, which means meekness and humility. We are not to beat them up or belittle them, but rather gently restore them. So the purpose is not to make the individual. When someone, if you know someone has, has fallen into sin or is caught up in sin, 
We're not to make them feel bad. Apostle Paul says, be careful, at least you, you know, pride rises up in you and you begin to fall because of that pride. So when we go to a brother or a sister that is that has fallen into sin, we do it with gentleness. And we do it with the spirit of wanting to restore that relationship back to God. And all too often, what I have seen and what I have witnessed within not this church, but you know, in the Air Force, God has taken myself and my wife to different uh, chapels, uh, Protestant chapels within each Air Force base, and you see the behaviors and what we have witnessed. Maybe it's because it's a military mindset. What we have witnessed is, is beating up. You know, you, you, we're not called to beat up our brother or sister. We're called to restore. But and we're not called to lecture because we can fall into sin just as easy as anyone else. It's only by God's grace that I am where I am. It's only by God's grace that he keeps me where I am. Not by my effort, but by his spirit. And we need to keep that in mind. So our intention is to restore gently. Let that person know, I care about you, I love you. And my purpose of talking with you is to restore you, not to destroy you. That's the enemy's job. We shouldn't allow the enemy to use us to destroy our brothers and sisters. Jesus did not come to condemn. That's what he said. He came to restore people back to the Father. Then we read, considering yourself least, you also be tempted. If, you think of, if we think of ourselves as better or above something or someone, we can easily fall into pride. And you know what pride does? Pride leads us into um, areas that we don't want to go. It's the opposite of humility. And God only lifts up the humble. He gives grace to the humble, but what does he do with the pride? He brings them down to their knees. He, he makes them realize that they have pride and it needs to be dealt with. He resists the proud. What is, it, what is it like to be resisted by God? When I pray, you don't hear me because I have so much pride. That pride interferes with my prayer from me. To, pride stops the prayer from reaching God because God resists. He's resisting me. He can't listen to us if we are in a spirit of, of pride. So that's why Paul warns, be careful when you, are, when you are restoring one to gentleness that you do not have a spirit of pride. When, you know, seeing yourself is better because you have to put this person in their place. First of all, it's not us that put anybody in place. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. We're just an instrument used by the Spirit to restore an individual back to a proper relationship. Verse 2 Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens. Bearing others' burdens is a demonstration of unconditional love, which is fulfilling the law of Christ. Unconditional love. Uh, unconditional love. You go through the Gospels, and, you, and if you pay attention to what Jesus' main message, his specific main message was, Love one another as I have loved you. And he says if we do this, we'll, we'll keep, we'll fulfill all the commandments. Because when you are operating in unconditional love, you, have, you cannot go against God's commandments because God is love. And if God is living in you, then all those commandments are, are completed within you. All, you will 
attain and keep all the commandments by keeping just that one. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Unconditional love. But love, love starts with God. And then he loves you in return and he changes your heart. And then you're able to love others. Because if, if we try to love others without loving God, we're going to fail because we don't know the heart of God. And his heart has not been in relationship with ours to change the heart to his heart. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill uh, the law of Christ, which is unconditional love. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. We, wear, we bear one another's burdens by praying for one another and helping one another. But we talked about pride earlier. Pastor Joe and I were actually talking about this a little bit earlier on. Pride can get in the way. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens. And when we see someone who is burdened or who needs help or who needs prayer, we're supposed to respond to that. But oftentimes there is, and I could tell in my own life, there was so much pride that in my heart before knowing Christ that I wouldn't ask for help. Because my father always taught me, my earthly father, not my heavenly father, you've got to make it on your own. You're, you've got to see things through. You've got to be strong. Well, I'm only strong if I'm in Christ. Now, the things that my father put within me was good, and it helped me through the military. Because when I, when I went to basic training, it was, it was easy for me because of the discipline my father had put within me. So the military was not difficult because I had somebody who was harder on me than the military. It was my father. But what my father taught me, he thought was for good, can sometimes hurt us. We can have so much pride that we don't ask for help when we need it. And yes, when we don't ask someone for help, we're denying that individual's blessing because God has called him or her to bless you because we have pride and don't say, can you help me? Or yes, I need help. Even when they ask you, do you need help? Is there something I can pray for? No. You say no, but you are... Um, keeping that individual from receiving his blessing because it is more blessed to give to, than to receive. The, 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 the times when I have felt most blessed, and, and I think my wife and myself on mission trips, when we're constantly giving, we're just blessed abundantly beyond our own dreams because we're, mission trips are really all about giving. It's all about blessing. And what's the most important gift is the giving, uh, giving that person uh, um, knowledge of the Savior of Jesus Christ. That's the mindset when you're going on a mission trip, but also to serve the people. And when we serve, we're blessed. And when we have so much pride that we don't say, hey, I do need help. Yes, I do need prayer. Sometimes God can send somebody by the Holy Spirit to, to minister to your needs, and, and, and you say, no, I, have, I, have no, I, I don't have no needs. But deep down inside you do, but it's pride that's keeping you from saying, yes, I need your help. And you're holding back that person's blessing because God sent them to bless you so that you would both be blessed in the process because God is in the midst of that. So really, both individuals get blessed. Right? Let's go on to verse 3. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself 
What is being addressed here is pride again. So Paul is dealing with pride, which prevents us from asking for help when we need it. Pride can also prevent us from carrying another's burden when it makes us feel superior to others. So, you know, when somebody does need help and we feel like we're, we're better because we don't fall into the same things they fall into, then, then we're already in trouble. We're, we're, we need prayer. <laughs> we, need, we need ministry and we need help. Because uh, we're not coming in the right spirit. Verse 4, but let each one examine his own work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. But let each one examine his own work. We are to examine our work to see if it's out of obligation, which we shouldn't do it out of obligation. That we serve or minister to others, um, and, and it should be out of love, out of the love of Christ that compels us, not out of a sense of obligation. If you go out of a sense of obligation, okay, I come to church because I love Christ. And yet when I grew up as a young man, my mother made me go to church whether I wanted to or not. And this, was a, this was a Catholic church, Catholic mass. And I would go out of obligation. And obligation, do you know what obligation caused within me? It caused frustration. Because I wasn't going there because I wanted to. I was going there because I was being forced to. Now when I met Christ, and now I go to church because of the love of, 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 of the love that I have for Christ and the love that he has for me. I go to church for a whole different reason. It's not obligation. It's willingness. It's a relationship. It is to be with him. And one thing I notice is that when we all come with that mindset within a body, Jesus is with us in a more powerful way. What I, what I experience and what I sense in, in, in an environment of the body of Christ, us, is far greater than what I experience by myself in, in my prayer closet. It's greater. Not to say in my prayer class, it's not a bad place. I, I love Christ and he meets me and he greets me there. That's not a bad place to be, but it's greater here because he comes, he comes amongst the brethren where two or three are gathered. I will be there. He's literally here. He's here in spirit. Jesus is with us right now as we're all sitting here. He's with us. So examine our own work. How do we do it? Do we come out of a sense of unconditional love or obligation? The greater is unconditional love. Now, obligation did get me to know Christ because they do read the scriptures in the Catholic Church. So I did get to know Christ in that environment, but it wasn't until, until I, I accepted Christ for myself that I began to grow and to change and then he will have and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone for if the love of Christ lives in me and compels me to do good works i will rejoice in that jesus is working in me and through me so the focus is still jesus for each one shall bear his own load many scholars believe that what the apostle paul is talking about here is the judgment seat of christ each one will bear his own load Whatever it is Jesus will reward us for, we're going to bear that load. Whatever it is we did, we're going to be judged for. 
And so Paul is saying we will bear our own load. In other words, whatever it is we have done in this life is what we will be judged for and rewarded for. The, now, the uh, judgment seat of Christ is, is not for condemnation, it's for rewards. So it is for Christ meeting us, accepting us, greeting us. Now, let's go on to verse 6. Now, we just talked in those few verses, we talked about how we should conduct ourselves uh, with one who has fallen into sin or one that is in sin. The next, next is how we conduct ourselves uh, with those who teach us the word of God. Now, I've read many commentaries and they say that in these verses, the ministers often feel uncomfortable because we're not asking. We're just telling you what the word of God says. Okay, so... I have to come through, through with that mindset. I'm not, I'm not talking about myself or Pastor Joe, but this is what the Bible says about how we are to be with spiritual leaders within the church. And it reads, let him who was taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. This verse can pertain to financial support of the teachers of the word of God. However, because Paul says, Share in all good things. It could include uh, support as one is able to or gifted to do so. So in other words, not all of us, there are times when, and, and we understand there are times when as much as you would like to give, you just don't have the resources or you're not able to give as much as you can. Paul says give however you can. I can remember being a young man when, when a, an Assemblies of God minister came to the church I was a mechanic working at a gas station, and he asked me, how much will you charge to fix this station wagon um, for the ministry that we use for jail ministry and other ministries? And so I thought, well, there's my opportunity to bless him. I will, I will just charge you for the parts and just a little, you know, not, maybe a fourth of what somebody would charge you for labor. Very little for labor. You know how mechanics are, man, they charge crazy. It's crazy. And that's how I was able to bless with the giftings that God had given me, that church. So, you know, Paul's saying, bless the church however you can. Bless each other however you can. Bless the teachers within ministry however you can. Why is the Holy Spirit taking such a, a stand like this on the ministers of the gospel? Here's why. If we go to in Ephesians Apostle Paul says that yeah, the fivefold ministry gift, the pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, are all gifts to the church from Jesus Christ. Now, Pastor Joe and anybody else who ministers is a gift. They're a literal gift from Jesus to us. And how do you treat a gift from your Savior? Yeah. With respect and with honor. I think what Paul's trying to get to. Now, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who, does, he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Verses 7 and 8 remain in the context of supporting ministry, right? Um, and God is not mocked. In other words, um, 
If the ministry is not supported financially because money is valued more than ministry, God is not mocked. One will be rewarded according to how we sow or invest. So Paul is still talking about how people support ministry. Where is your heart? Where, where are your investments in? Are they in this life, in this world, or are they in the next life to come and the next world with our Savior being the leader of it or the king of it? What are you investing in? God will not be mocked. God, you know, though we may think that, well, nobody knows if I'm not giving or, give, or not giving, well, that doesn't matter. God knows and God sees and God will not be mocked. However you invest it into the kingdom is how you're going to sow. And I find that the more I invest or sow into the kingdom of God, the more I am blessed in return. When I give what very little I might have left to the church, to God, to the ministry, God somehow just overwhelmingly blesses me. Um, I, sometimes... When I first used to hear this, I used to think the ministers were crazy because logically it doesn't make sense. You give and you receive more I, I, you know, from nowhere. Well, it's not coming from nowhere. It's coming from God. You give and you receive more because God wants you to give more. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, that you will reap. Verse 9, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Be careful we don't fall into the trap of not being appreciated. And he's talking about doing good, doing, you know, how you restore people or how you, you are investing into the ministry. Uh, let us not go weary while, while, while doing good. Sometimes it may seem that no one knows or cares of all the good you may be doing, but don't lose heart. God sees and will reward us in due time. And I've got to be honest, I, I've been there before. Where I've just given up my time and given up my time and given up my time. And you, you can grow weary, but if you keep in mind that um, ultimately, my reward is going to come at the end of this life. That should give you hope and restore the joy that you lose but from, from uh, growing weary. But Paul's saying, don't, don't lose heart. God sees what you're doing, and he's going to reward you for it. Um, let's go on to verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. We should do good to all people, is what the Apostle Paul said, is saying here. Uh, uh, but especially those of the household of faith. So in other words, we should not exclude ourselves from non-believers. In fact, we are light. The way we are light is how we bless non-believers. When we bless non-believers, all you do when you do that is whet their appetite for what is it that makes them so different than me or us. Well, you're whetting their appetite for the love of Christ. Christ's love cannot be denied. And when you share his love, uh, it will return um, 
good to you and to that person that you're ministering to. But he's saying, especially to those to the household of God. So we should especially, Paul is saying, we should especially be doing good to each other. And thank God, as Pastor Joe said earlier, this is a church so filled with love. I'm just, I'm blessed to be in this church because there's so much love here. Um, God is spoiling me, I suppose. All the love that is around me in here. There's genuine love in this church. And it would not be right of me not to acknowledge it. Let's go on. Verse 11. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, those who would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for, of, for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Verse 11, it's believed Paul wrote in large letters because he may have had a vision problem or it's believed that he may have seen that he wrote in large letters because he wants to bring emphasis to what he is talking about. Verses 12 to 13, the only reason that the Jews are seeking to have the Gentiles circumcised is to boast of this accomplishment, even though they themselves are unable to keep the law. It is as if ministry itself has become a quota, and this meeting the quota is something to boast about. Uh, we know God will draw to himself whom he will draw to himself. And Chuck Smith once said that we shouldn't worry about the numbers. All we are to do is be faithful in sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit will take care of the numbers. You know, everybody who God is calling, God is calling. We're just vessels in his hands. So Chuck Smith, that was some, some wisdom. Don't worry about the numbers and don't worry if somebody accepts Christ right there and then because you may have just planted a seed and somebody else will come behind you and, and share something else Well, they will accept Jesus Christ. When I was in England, the, the last, uh, when Jessica and I were in England the last three years of our career in the Air Force, we shared with a, 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 a young um, lady who was from India, who was Hindu and had not even ever heard of Jesus Christ. And yet we shared with her the love of Christ for a whole year. And she would come and she would tell us, I want to know about Jesus. And she would say it in a different way, but she would say, I want to know about Jesus. And so we, we, we would share. She'd come have dinner and we would share about the love of Christ, why he came to the earth, who he was, because he hadn't even heard about her. But a year later, we had an assistant pastor come and meet with us. That assistant pastor kind of backed up everything we had been teaching and then invited her to receive him, and she did. So you may be planning, for, even in my case, for a whole year, but God may have somebody else come in behind you when the time is right to have an individual accept Christ. Um, and that's what we should, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that we should only glory in the, in the 
cross of Christ. Let's go on to verse 14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, uncircumcision availeth anything but a new creation. Verse 14, for God forbid that, it sh that I should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing of us really we have to boast about is what Jesus has done for us. Oftentimes, what speaks most loudly to people about Jesus is the changes he makes in our own hearts and lives. So, when, going back to my Air Force days, but this was when we were in Spokane and I was uh, just started a church in Spokane and, and there was an individual in my squadron who started coming to that church. Um, and he began to do praise and worship and his supervisor came to me and said, I can't believe the changes in this guy. I, his, his mouth has changed, his word, in other words, it was, you know, in the military, everybody curses. He doesn't curse anymore. Uh, he has joy. Uh, he has peace. What, what's going on? And I said, he received Christ. He, he's serving Christ now. So it's these changes that people see in our hearts and in our lives that draw people to Christ because it's, him, it's Christ that are, is working these changes in us. Verse 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything but a new creation. Circumcision or uncircumcision is an outward sign of a covenant. However, a new creation is a work of God which changes our hearts. We are new, we are different. So in verse 15, circumcision, uncircumcision, is, it was a covenant. It's a covenant agreement, especially with the nation of Israel. Um, but what truly changes uh, people is a new conversion. That is, at the acceptance of Jesus Christ, we have been made new. Our hearts have been remade. It's no longer a heart of stone, but now a heart of flesh. We're no longer a heart hard-hearted. We have been changed by the love of Christ. And Paul is saying that's the only thing really that matters is this new, new creation. Verse 16, And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon uh, Israel of, of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Verse 16, and as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be unto him. Now this rule he's talking about for a carpenter or for a surveyor in the Greek, what this rule is talking about is a ruler that a carpenter might use for a straight cut. And I can identify with this because my father at a very young age had me always working with him and my father was very much gifted in construction, and he would show me how to use a ruler to make a straight cut. Uh, and now, as I get older and apply some of the things I learned from my father, I've tried to make cuts my own by freehand in wood, and that doesn't work out too well. Things don't line up, things don't match. You get two pieces of wood, and they just don't come together very well. 
but it's that ruler, that carpenter's ruler, that allows me to make a straight cut and have it be perfect and have it match and have it come together. We use that ruler in order to do good work. We have a rule or a ruler for us to do good works. It's the word of God. That's the rule. That's the surveyor's uh, tool that we use to make sure we're on the straight and narrow path. The ruler. Um, Verse 17, from now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of of the Lord Jesus. Now, for those of you who may not have a background in Catholicism, in Catholicism, they very much believe in, in, in the marks, what's it called, the marks of Jesus um, are the marks that Christ had stigmata, the marks that come on him. But I believe Paul's not talking about a stigmata. He, you know, the stigmata means that they would get like the marks of the thorn of the cross around their head, nail piercings through their hands. But Paul's not saying he's experiencing this. Paul is saying he is identifying in the sufferings of Christ because of the cross. In other words, he is stoned, left for dead. He bare many marks on his body, just like Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus, he was beaten with his hands. He was beaten with a, with a whip. People beat him in the face. And those same marks that Jesus had, Paul had, why? Because he preached the cross. And so he's saying, I identify with Jesus' sufferings. He's not, now, the Catholic Church and maybe some other religions take it to a stigmata, but nowhere here is Paul saying that he has the specific marks of Christ on him. But rather, he's identifying with his suffering. And then we read, Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Paul, in verse 18, uh, closes his letter to the Galatians by speaking the grace of Jesus into and on their spirit. And that's how we're going to end the message. So um, that's my prayer today, that the grace of Jesus Christ be with each one of us as we leave today and just go about our business day after day. So let's close in prayer. Now, if anyone who's listening to me, especially YouTube or Facebook, and you have not made that decision, just like that young girl in India, somebody has been sharing with you for a long time, and you've not made that decision to accept Jesus Christ, you can make that decision today. You can invite him into your heart by just confessing your sins, asking for his forgiveness. And he will take up residence in your heart and you will be a new creation. It's that simple. It's not magical or mystical. It's that simple. You ask for forgiveness and he gives you forgiveness. And you're a new creation. So Father, we pray today that uh, we would just leave. And and Lord, what we've heard through your spirit and through your word that we would apply. uh, Restoring people in gentleness. Father, we pray that we invest whatever we can into the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it be through works or whether it be financially, however we're able to. And Father, let us do good to all, as the Apostle Paul spoke. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. I hear a lot of people say when they come to our church, they say, boy, these are the most loving people. I said, yes, that's true. It, it keeps me encouraged. It keeps me going. Uh, you guys are great. You're great people. 
I'm honored to be pastor here. I'm honored. I'm humbled at that. Um, you know, I ask. So as I don't take that lightly, 